0: And today I want to talk to you about blessing from hurt. Genesis chapter 16. How many of you have ever been hurt or disappointed by someone? Anybody ever have that happen in your whole life? I mean, we don't like to admit it, but sometimes people, people, people hurt us a little bit, don't they? I remember when I was in high school, I was uh, kind of on the second level of cool. In the top level that was up here, and I was kind of peripheral to that. And I remember one time there was this girl that that I found out would would go out with me if I would ask her. I, you know, you have friends that do that kind of work for you, so you avoid maximum amount of embarrassment. And um, so I uh, I did what any three sport letterman would do. Um, I asked her to the movies, and she said yes. And time was set a certain evening, and I drove our family's ultra-cool yellow Chevrolet Vega over there to her house, and I pulled up in front, and I rang the doorbell, and I was ready. Nothing. Nothing. Waited. Rang the doorbell again. Checked the time. Nothing. Turns out she had died. No, it turns out she was out. (laughs) Sorry. She was out with another guy. Now, everybody in school knew this was about to happen. I was about to tell, at least all the people I knew. And and she totally stood me up. Yes, I was hurt deeply. And I decided at that point, I would never date or marry. Now that's ridiculous, isn't it? But that's sometimes how we react to hurt. It's like if I had a bad meal, I'm never going to eat another restaurant again, right? Sometimes people get hurt in church. And they don't go back. And it breaks our leaders, Um, you know, this church, as we often try to remind ourselves, every seat that's occupied today is occupied with a sinner, even the most godliest among us, we might disappoint you. If you've been hurt in church, I can't guarantee you that that we're always going to meet your expectation. I can't. But this morning, I want to deal with this issue of church hurt, and I want us to find even blessing from that hurt, but there is still blessing available. Genesis chapter 16 is a story of a woman who gets hurt by church people. Genesis chapter 16, beginning in verse 1, and the context is this. You've been with us. You know that Abram and Sarah have been called by God to go to a land that God would show them to 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 be a great nation, to develop a great nation through their offspring, to, to bless the world, right? To, uh, that God would use them basically to redeem the world, and God would, would bless those who bless them and curse those who curse them, and through them all the world would be would be blessed. Genesis chapter 12, and Abram and Sarah, they go, but it, things don't happen right away. And, and there's several times where Abram goes, is this still going to happen? Matter of fact, in chapter 15, he's asking God, he says, God, I, is, is my, my servant, my number one servant going to be my heir? And he's going to be the one you're going to bless the world through? And God says, no, it's going to be through you. And then in chapter 16, there's another question from Sarah. There's another plan that comes into play. Read with me, if you will, just silently. Genesis chapter 16, beginning of verse 1. God's word says, now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abram, behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. Sounds a little bit like Abram, like Adam listening to the voice of Eve. Take this fruit and eat. Abram's listening to her. He's basically agreeing with her. And he goes, you know, God said it would be through me. And Sarah's thinking like this. She said, you know what? God hasn't chose, chosen to give me a child yet. He hasn't chosen to do that. And God certainly is the author of life. And, and we'll find eventually God will cause her to have a child. But he hasn't done it yet. And she starts to think about timing. And because God hasn't acted, she assumes that God will not act. You ever do that? God hasn't done what I wanted him to do yet. You know, timing in the the, the church is so important because we all want to know the timing of the return of Jesus, don't we? Wouldn't it be great? You could run up your credit cards. It would be unbelievable. Don't do that. Don't think like that. But it would change us, wouldn't it? I think God always wants us to believe that the world could end at any time, and that's, that's a sense of urgency that he puts throughout Scripture, right? We're always thinking, God, I wish I knew that no, you really don't, because it would mess up your mission. It would mess up your mission. And so Sarah's starting to get ahead of or getting outside of God's timing. Timing is so important in life and in scripture. You know, when you think of the redemptive plan of God, he works things out ex- at exactly the right time. He's more precise than a finely tuned engine that requires that the spark happen at exactly the right time in order for the, the gas and air mixture to explode so that the piston moves and the valves open and all that happens. If, they're, if it's out of sync in any way, the engine doesn't work right. It maybe gets damaged. And Man, when God... Redeems his people. That's exactly what he does. He works in exactly his right time. I love Galatians sixteen, uh, four and five. It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that he might receive adoption as so we might receive adoption as sons. God worked at exactly the right time. He didn't send Jesus in the garden. Oh, he foreshadowed Jesus in the garden when he had the skins that would, that would cover the, the sin of Adam and Eve. He, he foreshadows Jesus throughout all of Scripture, but all of it is in preparation for us to understand who Jesus is and our great need for him. He works at exactly the right time. Abram and Sarah are making the mistake of misinterpreting God's timing as an invitation for them to move on without it. Really important for us to see that. Sometimes we're waiting, and we're waiting, but God's promises will happen. They will happen. He has promised to save his people, and indeed, he is absolutely reliable. Verse 3. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. This is really surrogacy over sexuality. This is not some steamy, weird affair. This is culturally, remember, this is pre-10 commandments, and it doesn't excuse it, right? God's plan has always been one man, one woman, but the reality is, in their culture of the day, a woman really only had 10 years to produce a child. We see this in the story of Ruth. happened the same way. There was 10 years before uh, Ruth's husband died, and she had no children. So it was assumed that Ruth was barren. It was always the woman who was the problem. And so it looks like here that this at the fact that 10 years is included here, Sarah is thinking that we've been in the land 10 years. They've probably been married longer than 10 years, but they've been in the land 10 years. There's been no child. Everyone around is thinking it's me, that I'm barren. And her thought is, I'm about to lose my place as the wife and mistress of this household. She's thinking Abram legally has the right to bring in somebody else. A new wife, a surrogate, and so she's thinking, I need to protect who I am and what I am. I want to be a part of God's mission. I don't want to be in the way, so maybe God wants to work through somebody other than me that I can still be the the head of the, the female head of the house, but maybe that's what God is doing in this. And there's no evidence that she sought the Lord on this, but remember, this is very early in God's progressive revelation of himself. You can understand it. It's culturally Acceptable, even expected almost. And so she says, Abram, go ahead and take her. Take Hagar. Maybe God wants to bless us through her. It's a very sad, sad time for Sarah. It's kind of a, I've heard my clock tick, and it's done ticking. And something else has to happen. Verse 4 through 6, through verse 4. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. It works. The surrogacy works. She gets pregnant, and what happens? Now she is looking down at the one that she looked up at. Hagar is an Egyptian servant, probably more of a slave, but she is high level in the household. She is the personal servant of Sarai, and she has worked for her. She has served her, and now she has the baby that... Sarah always wanted within her, and she begins to think, I can take her, her place. I can step up, and maybe I can be Abram's wife, and I can replace Sarah in the whole narrative of God's mission through Abram. Maybe Sarah, I can, I can take over. We don't know exactly how she did that, but she apparently begins to look down on Sarah. And this is exactly what Sarah was afraid of. This is why she did what she did. She was afraid she would be displaced, and now the act that she did in order to not be displaced has caused her to be displaced. Verse 5. And Sarah said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be to you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt May the Lord judge between you and me. In other words, Abram, this was my idea, but it was a bad idea, and you shouldn't have done what I said to do, right? And it sounds kind of funny, but don't we do that all the time? We make bad choices, and then we blame whoever should have told us that it was a bad idea. doesn't matter at this point. She's very upset, and she's very concerned. Do you know what she's really trying to do, Probably. She's trying to see whether Abram's going to support her as the mistress of the house. Guys, let me just tell you you need to always assure your wife of her place. You need to always encourage her of her value, of your respect for her. Guys, we thrive on respect, but women need respect as well. They need to know that you value her, that she is an amazing wife, that she is wonderful, that she's beautiful, that she holds the only place. In your life, any woman ever could. You need to constantly do that. So that's really kind of, I think, what she's getting at. Verse 6. And Abram said to Sarah, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please, or really a better translation is as you see best. Here's what he's saying. Sarah, you're in charge. I don't care what Hagar said. I don't care what the public said. I don't care what culture says, you're my wife, you're in charge. He affirms who she is, and he tells her, I want you to do what you see as best for her. What is the best we can do in a difficult situation? Here we have this child that's Abram's child, but I'm going to trust you to do what's best for this potential heir. Then Sarah dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. She fled from her. Hagar flees from being with God's people. When we try to rush God's timing, people often get hurt. When we try to run ahead of God, we try to do something only God can do. We step into his His role, we kind of decide that we got to do things without him. People often get hurt, and that's what's happened to Hagar. She's under her control. She's not innocent, right? When people get hurt, a lot of times there's some fault on both sides, right? Hagar's not innocent, but she finds herself feeling like she needed to flee. We don't know what Sarah, what harshly meant. Sarah? Was it that she just put her in her place and say, hey, look, I don't know who you think you are, but you're not going to be the wife of my husband. This is a business transaction. I don't know. Maybe she was more severe than that. Maybe she was ugly to her. Maybe she was mean to her. Maybe she refused to feed her. I don't know. It doesn't say, but she treated her harshly. And Hagar flees from the people of God. Verse 7. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness. The spring on the way to Shur. And let me pause here so you can't run past the fact that when she's hurt, God shows up. He shows up. And I want to encourage you, if you're hurt today and when you're hurt, the first one you want to hear from is God himself. What is he saying through this what is he saying through his scripture? Through people who are hurt. You know, I think sometimes we get so hurt and so angry we don't even listen to what God might be saying through the hurt. I guarantee you, He's saying something. Hagar is heading down towards. Sure, that's a uh, that's toward Egypt. She is an Egyptian. She's going to try to maybe make it home, but there is no way she's going to make it. You see, to run away from God's people really leads you into the place of wilderness, into the place ultimately of, of death. There is no other way to get to God other than God's people. He's flawed, wonderful, silly at times, goofy at times, but God's people are the way to connect with him. Verse 8. And the angel said to Hagar, Servant of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from my mistress Sarah. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered. God's messenger shows up and he turns her around turns her around to turn around is to is to repent isn't it i'm running away from god's people i'm going to go back to god's people even though they're a bunch of jerks at times present company excluded i'm he turns her around he says your blessing is going to be found through god's people Through Abram, that's where it's going to be found. It's not going to be found out here in the desert. You keep going. You're going to die, and the unborn child in you is also going to die. He turns her around. Verse 11, And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. And Ishmael means God hears. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against, he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. He'll be against his family, verse 13. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. Get this, I love this. You're a God of seeing. You're a God of seeing. For she said, truly, I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore, this well shall be called Lahad Roy. it lies between Kadesh and Bered. And when you're hurting, God sees. He sees. You're not alone. God sees her. God knows what's going on in her life. God cares. He turns her around and does what is best for her to send her back where she needs to be. God, God sees. You know, it's interesting that her offspring—you can't get past this fact that what is—he's he, he's, going to be a wild donkey of a man. Does anybody have a son like that? I don't, but maybe you do. Um, he's going to be crazy. Truth is, he's going to wind up being the father of most of the Arab nations, resulting in most of those who follow the Muslim faith that are going to be opposed to God's people. And you're like, wait a minute, God, why is this a blessing? Listen, God's people always have it. Enemies in reality reveal the greatness of Jesus Christ, right? Enemies always reveal. Those who believe they can be good enough are always going to reveal how much we need Jesus. So he tells her, you're going to bear a nation. And they should never really be afraid of God's enemies because he's so much greater than anyone that opposed him. And we trust him with us, with our lives, and with our future verse 15 and 16 and hagar bore abram a son and abram called the name of his son whom hagar hagar bore ishmael abram was 86 when hagar bore ishmael to abram here's the thing people do get hurt they do get hurt in church i want to cover a few things and a few ways that people get hurt and it may help you as you try to reconnect, maybe get over some past hurt, or maybe help some people you know deal with being hurt in church. And one of the ways that people have gotten hurt in church is through some faulty evangelism methods. You may have been at a church as a kid that they said, all you have to do is raise your hand and be saved. You raised your hand, you thought you were saved, and really nothing ever happened because you weren't really responding to the Savior, you were responding to what amounted to a sales pitch. We should always share Christ. We should always find ways to do that. And there are some great methods. But when you abuse the method and just simply try to get someone to make a decision, not listening to what God is doing in their lives, you may you may, cause them to respond to you and not to Jesus. We're always looking for Jesus to move in someone's life when our kids came to Jesus. We were always waiting for them to say something they didn't hear from us or so they didn't hear in church. To describe their need from Jesus for Jesus in a, in a different way or to say something that came from their heart. So many times people say, you know what, I, I thought I was saved as a child, but it didn't really happen until I was older. And did I really get saved? Did I knock?" Listen, I don't know either. But if you're wondering, let's pray to receive Christ today. I was saved at the age of nine and I'm so grateful I knew God was working in my heart grateful for that but some people have been hurt because they didn't understand or they misunderstood or they were told they didn't even have to repent to receive the gift of salvation if that's you I I want you to receive Jesus today if he's moving in your life don't miss the Savior Don't miss the one who came to pay your way into innocence. People also get gotten hurt through what we used to call what we call worship style. You say, you know what? I I love hymns or I love contemporary. And if you don't do it the way I want to do it, then I'm really I got hurt. You don't you don't sing the songs I want to sing. So I'm upset about that. And I, I you don't care about me. Listen, listen. We don't really need music to worship Jesus. We just need to worship Jesus. We do the kind of music we do because we want to reach all types of people. And we constantly think about this. And we constantly work through these issues. But we know we're not going to be able to meet everyone's need. But we're going to try. And we're going to try to bless people. And if you got hurt in that, I'm sorry. But just know our heart is always, 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 always to connect people to Jesus. And to do whatever we possibly can to do. I'm so grateful for the heart of our worship leaders and how they present Christ. And um, I'm so grateful for Phil and Marissa. Let's give them a round of applause if you guys don't mind. Um, our team, I, um, when every Sunday morning, I'm just so grateful for you all. Um, because it can be done badly. It can be done to worship a style or to worship people. We want to worship Jesus. I feel like we're constantly pointed to Jesus. But in this whole worship issue, some people have gotten hurt. Another way people get hurt is they follow a man. You know, here at First Baptist Church, we try very hard to prevent that. Um, it's great to have multiple voices. I appreciate Phil and Jimmy Land for being able to deliver God's word. Hopefully it's not about me. Uh, but you know, there are great, Incredibly gifted preachers that attract thousands of people. And you go, well, is that really godly? I think it can be. I love to listen to the great preachers. I really do. I learn from them, and they, they, they encourage my soul. But what happens to some people sometimes, they think their salvation is tied to that great preacher, and when he has a moral failure, they, they get shattered and hurt. Listen, if that's you... Your salvation isn't tied to that man. You probably learned a lot of great things from him, and you shouldn't doubt those things. You should always measure them with Scripture, but men are always going to fail. They're always going to disappoint. The good ones, the mediocre ones, we all have our issues. But praise God, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's not about a man. It's about Jesus some people also have gotten hurt because of what i'll call elitism they feel like you know what i'm not as good as those people who come to church it used to be i don't have the clothes to wear to be like them or or I, my life isn't measure up yet i'm not as holy as them i'm not as advanced as them and let me tell you we have some very advanced believers and some of them are really young incidentally but listen we're all on a journey everybody in here is a sinner I don't want you to feel like your sin eliminates you from Jesus Christ. You say, well, you preach on my sin more than other sin. You know, we try to preach on all sin. We really do. If if we called out your sin, praise God, honestly, because I would hate it if you sat there forever and no one ever called out your sin and you felt like you were sinless because that would be malpractice. You say, well, you said it in a listen." We just want to present the Bible the best we can. But sometimes people get hurt Is for whatever reason. Maybe they didn't get greeted. I'm sorry if you didn't get greeted this morning. We try to greet everybody. Say, you know, I've come six or eight times and no one's ever said anything to me. I think that's really hard to do, but it probably happens. Just know that we want to embrace you. We want you to know Jesus. This is a church of all kinds of people from all kinds of places, from every socioeconomic level to every race we want you to be a part. Please don't feel like this is a clique or this. We want you to be family. Which means you're going to have to deal with the weird aunts and uncles. Amen? Which we're going to have a meeting of weird aunts and uncles right over here at the end of the service. Not really. Some people get hurt from overuse. If you're effective, we're going to use you, Praise God. By golly, we're going to have you in the parking lot and we're going to have you with the children. We're going to have you serving. We're going to have you doing all sorts of things. And, and we're going to use you until you tell us, man, whew, not everyone can be Jill Walters. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> right, Jill? How are you? Are you rested today? Praise God. Um, and I apologize if that happened to you. We try, if, if you're tired, please let us know. So you know what I need to, I need to not do as much. Listen. We, want, we always want to help people find where God wants to use them. And you always need to know that because you serve in a certain place, doesn't mean you can't change. There's other places to serve. Don't get overused. Just know that it's not about one person or even one group. That's why we constantly try to develop new leaders and give new people opportunities to serve so that it don't feel like, well... You know, I'm probably dying, but if I don't go, church ain't going to happen. I don't even have to do that. I just call somebody, hey, Jimmy, Phil, I'm dying. All right. (laughs) We'll send an ambulance and we'll have church, right? Right? Don't let overuse keep you from church. And finally, in most sad has been abuse in churches, physical. If you've been hurt, it's heartbreaking. should never happen. That's so why we do background checks on people. We do our due diligence to help us not have predators a part of our church, not have people who could harm. But you know what? We can't know everybody. You can't let even abuse keep you from Jesus So how do we respond? If you've been hurt, how do you respond? Well, look at what the angel said. He says to Hagar, listen, you need to turn around. You need to turn around. You need to go back to the people of God. And maybe that's you today. Maybe that's why you're here. You're coming back to the people of God. Or maybe you're just getting used to being around the people of God again. Praise God. But to go away from the people of God, to go away from his church, folks, it's going to be... It's sinful, and it doesn't ever lead to life because the church is God's instrument to deliver life. No matter how bad you... You, know, so you don't have to go back to the same church. Many of you have been a part of other churches. We're all flawed on some level. And maybe there's a better church that suits you. Maybe this church suits you better than your Listen, but you've got to go back to a church. You've got to go back to a church because it's God's instrument to bring life to a dark world. To do that, you're probably going to have to repent of some things because to leave, is, to leave God's church sinful, you may have had a role in whatever hurt there was in. You need to make sure you've repented of any, any part that you may have had. Maybe it wasn't anyone's fault that you weren't greeted. Maybe you just slipped in at the very beginning and left before anybody could get you. You need to return. You need to repent. And most importantly, you need to forgive. You say, how can I forgive someone who's never apologized? Well, I don't know, but I feel like the Lord's Prayer says, forgive those who have sinned against me just as I have forgiven them so if you're if you're not forgiven, people you're being tortured really by that that unforgiveness festers in you and it causes great harm it it tortures you and you know what the person you haven't forgiven probably doesn't even know that you're at waiting for them to apologize it's not hurting them at all if you've been hurt If you've been hurt, I'm I'm sorry. I just need to tell you, I hate that. I don't want people to get hurt. Repent, return, and forgive. In just a moment, we're going to receive these elements of the Lord's Supper. And in it, Jesus gave us this ceremony, this meal. He gave it to us so that we would always remember the sacrifice that he made. His body, His blood, given for me so that I could be innocent. But let me tell you, if you haven't forgiven someone who's hurt you, please don't come and receive these elements. You're not ready. We're going to give you a moment. You may need to repent of that right now and, and, and repent of unforgiveness. Don't miss the intimacy with Jesus and his people that comes through the Lord's Supper. It's a picture of our unity with each other and with Christ. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. And then we'll come forward and get your elements and you can be be seated until we'll take them all together. Let's, Let's go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray for anyone right now who's feeling like they were hurt in church. God, may your spirit wrap your arms around them. May they feel like Hagar when the angel came to her and said, turn around and go back. Lord, for those who would say, I, I could never get involved in church because of what happened to me before or because of what I've heard that's happened, Lord, would you please break their hearts for you? Recognize that it's what you do through church. You're the one who is the power. You're the one who provides the blessing. Oh, Lord, I pray that each person here would return, repent, and forgive. These elements are precious. They represent you, Jesus. pray that as a body of believers, as, as people who have received your gift of salvation and have been baptized by immersion, Lord, that we could celebrate this time together. but That none of us would do it with unconfessed sin in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. took the bread he said this is my body it's given for you take and eat it and he took the cup he said this is the new covenant it's my promise that only depends on me this is my blood. Do this in remembrance of you. I'm so grateful we're able to gather today. If you have questions, you have issues, you have, to say, you know, I've been hurt by a church. I, I, be, I want to be, to pray for me. I want you. I would love to help you. Don't let what's happened in the past cause you to miss the joy of being a part of the body of Jesus. Jesus, you're awesome. You gave your body and blood for us. And we come today to remember that. Lord, we want to come and repent, return, and forgive. Lord, Thank you for the sweetness of the body we enjoy today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much.